Thank you, John, and uh, what a great worship set this morning, and I hope it's prepared our hearts for looking into the Word of God and seeing what God has in store for us, and let me ask you a question on that note. How have you prepared your heart this morning? How have you prepared your mind this morning? Have you thought about God? What do you want to say to me today? What is it that I need to hear from you through your Word or in worship? What is it that you want me to see and what do you want me to take away this morning from this experience at church? I hope you've been asking that and asking the Lord to prepare your heart, to get your mind ready to receive truth. Because we're in the midst of a a series in the Ten Commandments. And if you remember the series, the subtitle of the series is How Should the Redeemed of God Live? How should we live as Christians? If we claim the name of Christ, then what does God want from us by way of living? So we've been going through the Ten Commandments, and we're on the Fifth Commandment today. Let me tell you how Bill Cosby paraphrases the Fifth Commandment. You've heard it. In fact, you're going to complete the sentence for me. I brought you into this world. Almost entirely mothers who just said that. Did you notice that? It's amazing. And Chris Soros was the loudest of all of them. Amen. Ralph's just sitting right there. His face is so red. Ralph, stand up. Let everybody see how red your face is. He's one of our deacons. I could talk to him like this. That was Bill Cosby's version. Let me tell you God's version, which is the one we're going to look at and exposit this morning. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what does this mean? What are the implications for us today? If we're going to look and see how the redeemed of God should live, then what does the fifth commandment say to us now? Whether we're 70, 50, 30, or 10. What does this mean to us? Well, let me give you four ways that we're going to kind of approach this simple verse this morning. And the first one's going to seem a little strange, but let me, let me kind of flesh it out and see if you can uh, agree with me at the end of this. The first one is this. This commandment connects the vertical think tree to the horizontal think ground. It connects the vertical, it bridges the vertical to the horizontal. And here's what normally happens when we read the fifth commandment or when somebody mentions it to us, we sort of think with tunnel vision, probably because Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 is so well known. Here's what Paul says there. Children, obey your parents for the, in the Lord for this is right. And then he quotes the fifth commandment. So it's almost inescapable that we connect the word children to the fifth commandment. And we think little children, and we especially think rebellious teenagers. This is where it's used almost majorly. But God's not really having children's church right in the middle of his Ten Commandments. See, he's teaching his freed people. This is what he's been doing. He's teaching his freed people how to live by dealing with adult subjects like idolatry, taking his name in vain, adultery, murder. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of all of them, he gives what seems like one for the kids. Honor your father and mother. See, the first commandment provided the foundation for the next three. Now, let me say that again because you might not 
hear that at first. The first commandment, right? You shall have no other gods before my face. That's the Hebrew. Provides the foundation for having no idols, worshiping God the right way, for taking His name and not reducing it from its excellence, and taking a regular rhythm and devoting it to rest and to refreshment and to reflection on God's redeeming hand in your lives. The first one provides the commandment or the foundation for all of that. And, that. and then we get to the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. We see it provides the foundation for the entire rest of the commands. You see, it functions like a bridge. And friends, if you picture a bridge in your mind, it extends two ways. This commandment extends backward to the vertical. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then extends the other way toward our neighbor. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's what I'm saying. If we don't learn, and if we have not yet learned how to honor our father and our mother, then we cannot rightfully honor God and we will not rightfully honor our neighbor. We're not going to hold faithfully to God. That was command number one. We're not going to be able to worship Him right, lift up His name and exalt it. We're not going to be able to do commands two and three. We're not going to honor Him in a regular rhythm of rest and reflection, which is command number four. Now the bridge goes this way. We're not going to be able to understand how murder shows tragic disregard and disrespect to the victim number six. We're not going to be hateful of adultery, which shows terrible dishonor towards their spouse, command number seven. We're not going to see the horror and the violation of stealing. Listen, if you've had somebody steal from you, you know how you feel violated. If you don't learn commandment number five to honor your father and mother, you can't learn how you should never, ever, ever, ever steal because that is the utmost in disrespect and dishonor to your neighbor. And you won't know that false witness shows absolutely no respect or honor to the wrongly accused, which is command number nine. And those who covet have no respect or honor towards their neighbor and his or her possession, which is commandment number ten. So listen, how do you treat the police officer that pulls you over when you don't really think you did anything wrong? What comes out of your mouth? What's the attitude in your heart in that moment? How do you talk of a president that maybe you vigorously disagree with? How do you treat teens, the school's lunch staff, the demographic of every school that gets treated the worst? Or parents, how about that classroom teacher that gives a grade to your child that you really don't think is fair? Or that office manager at work that's high on power and likes to make sure you understand your position under them? Or what's your conversation like when it comes to the CEO of the company or even perhaps the elders of your church? Friends, this is the aim of the commandment. It's not children's church in the midst of the ten. It's, it's, it's implying much, much broader than that. How do we honor those in authority? You learn the very basics of that with your mother and your father. 
So this commandment connects the vertical to the horizontal. So let's now get into the text. This commandment blesses, strengthens the family. If you've got your Bibles open, Exodus chapter 20, look at the first part of verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. What's that mean? Well, we've quoted that forever. We've heard it forever. But what does it really mean to honor your father and mother? Well, here's the basic meaning of the word honor. It means to be heavy. It means to be weighty. It's the same word that the Bible uses for the incredible weight of God's glory. To honor parents, friends, means to give weight to their position, to treat them seriously as God's appointed authority over your life. It means to recognize that God himself has honored you with your father and your mother. It means to highly value, respect, and esteem and prize fathers and mothers as gifts from God. To dishonor your parents is to take them lightly. It's to give them little regard for the importance that they have in your lives. Listen, obedience, obedience is conformity to authority. But honor is the inward delight in that. You can obey somebody without honoring them. But you can never honor somebody without delighting and obeying them. And it's possible that you can be in the midst of life and have authority figures all around you, even at age 55 and age 70, and still not be honoring those in authority. God is commanding us to delight in our parents, and it shows the pain when we don't. Proverbs 10, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. I can remember times that my mother would stay up late at night, sleeping on the couch, waiting for her foolish children to get home. Sorrowful. I remember day after day, walking by in the morning, my parents' bedroom, it was cracked slightly. And I would look in every single day that I can remember and see my father and my mother on their knees on the hardwood floor of our home, leaning against their bed, praying and pleading for God's intervention in their six children's lives. Honor your father and your mother. You know what cover of a teenage girl's magazine said this? It said, do you really hate your parents like who does? That was the title of the article. And then the article went on to offer advice on how to deal with your detestables. A synonym for parents. How do you feel toward your mom and dad? Now listen, I'm not asking you, well, I'm not asking only the children here among us. I'm asking kids of all ages. How do you feel about your father and your mother? And I'm not even asking, how do you feel about your father and your mother who are still alive? I'm asking, how do you feel when you think of your father and your mother? What goes through your mind? How do you speak of them when talking to other people? Whether they parented you well or whether they parented you poorly, what is your attitude towards your father and your mother today? 
Listen, we saw earlier in Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. Paul was addressing the family and he's reiterating the fifth commandment. Friends, I got to tell you why the family was in a world of trouble. And I mean the world of trouble literally because Rome populated and controlled most of the known world at that time. And in Roman law, a father had absolute power over his family. He could sell his children as slaves. He could make them work in his fields in chains. He could punish them any way he liked. And even if he wanted to, he could inflict, believe it or not, the death penalty. The power of dad was absolute in Roman law. And it didn't end when the child turned 18. There was no emancipation age. It continued the child's entire life. Even at 45, 50 years old, the father still reigned over his son with absolute power. See, when a child was born, he or she was placed at his father's feet on the ground. And if the father stooped, to lift the child up and acknowledge the child, then they would keep the child. But if he turned and he walked away from the child lying at his feet, refusing that child, then that child literally, friends, and I'm not exaggerating, was thrown out. The child was taken. Unwanted children were picked up in the mornings and they were left in the Roman Forum and they became the property of anyone who cared to take them. They were collected at night, not in the morning, they were collected at night by people who looked at them, after them in order to sell them either as slaves or to stock the brothels of Rome. In fact, one Roman writer, Seneca, he was a historian, he wrote this, we slaughter a fierce ox, we strangle a mad dog, we plunge the knife into sickly cattle. Children who are born weakly and deformed, we drown. Friends, the family was in a world of trouble. And it's against that backdrop that Paul tells children to honor their father and their mother. And he tells fathers, don't exasperate your children because God was serious. He wants every single one of his people to honor his father and his mother because it's the training school for how we honor all authorities and most chiefly, God himself. Severe penalties were given to those who broke this command in the Old Testament. In fact, when God gave Moses the civil or the social laws to govern Israel, he commanded whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. You see, to dishonor parents, friends, has the same penalty as dishonoring God's name. You dishonor your parents, it's the same penalty as taking God's name in vain, death. You're removed from the community that which seeks to corrupt it. And when God instructed Moses to remind his people to be holy, he said these words. And listen, if you've got your Bibles, and if you want to turn to Leviticus 19, you can. It's on the screen behind me. But I want you to get this. This is incredibly interesting. God says, Moses, teach the people these words. Speak to all the people people of Israel, and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now listen to this. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. Now listen, he's working from the fifth command to the first. I want you to see this. He's working backward because the fifth commandment provides the foundation. Really, you can't do command number one if you don't learn 
to, to honor your father and your mother. So every one of you starting out with a fifth, revere his mother and father. Then you go to the fourth and you shall keep my Sabbaths. And then you go to the third. I am the Yahweh, the Jehovah, your God. Lift my name up. And number two, don't turn to idols. And then the first command, I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you see what he does? God, God himself teaches them. If you want to obey commandments one through four, then you've got to get commandment five. It's the foundation. And the, the rabbis would take this with utmost sincerity. You know what one rabbi would do? He would provide for his aged mother that moved into his home. He was famous for this. He would provide the means to help her get into her own bed by lying on the ground and using his own body as her step. He felt it honored his mother. Another rabbi would one time had a sandal that split and they couldn't repair it and she had to walk across the courtyard and every time that one foot that no longer had a sandal would just about come down on the cobblestones he would bend down and put his hand underneath her foot so that her foot would not touch the roughened stone because he wanted to honor his mother he wanted to lift her up with great great importance but not all the spiritual leaders held to the commandment to honor the father and mother in the home. In fact, by the time of Jesus Christ, when he came to earth to live as a human being, the Pharisees, the scribes, the scribes friends, simply Jewish lawyers, Pharisees, they were the police that enforced the laws. They created a loophole, fifth commandment. And you can see it in Mark chapter 7, and you're probably familiar with it. So they rejected the fifth commandment. They created a tradition called Corbin. And if you remember last week, the traditions of the Jews, which began to be a fence around the law of God, began to be protecting the law of God, gradually grew in authority until they became more authoritative than the law of God. This is one of the ones that became authoritative. It was to, to originally, it was to provide a loophole around the fifth commandment. You see, every Jew knew, every Jew knew that the fifth commandment was applying to children of every age. In fact, one early tradition said this, a son is bound to support his father even if he has to beg for him. But eventually another tradition superseded that one and it's written, it's quoted in Jesus uh, by Jesus in Mark 7, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. You see, what the Jews did was they created a way of, of, of being able to get out of financially caring for their aging dependent parents. All you had to do was pronounce over your home, over your monies, over your possessions, the word Corbin, and all of a sudden it was like putting those literal possessions right onto the altar of God and you're removing them from the common or the secular use and putting them in the sacred use so they can't be used any longer for anything that's not dedicated to God. Now listen, you can see how this would work, right? Some of us have had parents that have been unkind, and that's saying it kind. Some of us said, you know what, when we get out of this home, I'm never going back, and I will never be like my father 
inexplicably we find that we are a lot like them. You see, there's lots of people in this church that have had abusive parents and hurtful parents. And this sermon's going to hurt some people. I understand that. I'm going to be as sensitive as I can right towards the end of it. But this is going to bother some people, and I'm fully, fully aware of it. But it's sometimes, and you can see how this would work, sometimes as a teenager and you get out of that home and you're, you're filled with bitterness and resentment towards your parents, you can say, you know what, I'm never going to help them. You know, I'm glad they can't provide for themselves. I hope they struggle the rest of their meager lives. I'm not doing a thing to help. It's that bitterness and that resentment that can cloud our minds and all of a sudden we said, and I know how to get out of having to be compelled by the fifth commandment. Corbin over everything. Mom and Dad, I can't help you. I know you're coming to me. You can't eat, but I can't do anything for you because I've given everything I have to God's purposes. And what would happen is sometimes that would occur and selfish kids growing up and becoming selfish adults would say Corbin over things and not provide for their family even though they had the means. And all of a sudden, a little while later, they would feel remorse and they would feel regret and they would go back to the scribes and they would go back to the Pharisees. And Jesus says, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. The Pharisee would say, you can't retract the vow. It was a vow to God. But Jesus is saying this. You're holding up a tradition over the very literal command of God. God has said, honor your father and your mother. And you're saying, no, you've got a way out of it. See, this problem continued into the early church, which is why Paul begins to write Timothy and says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You can see now how far the family had fallen from what Christ wanted it to be, its original intended beauty. How beautiful is it when a mom is working late and the sink is full of dishes, and her children honor her by doing the dishes and put them away. They're holding up the fifth commandment. Or when a son sees his father having to travel a lot that week, and he's going to come home late Friday and then have to get up and mow the lawn. So on Friday afternoon, he says, you know what? I'm going to honor the man whom God put in my life with inner delight. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm not even going to have to be asked. This is what it means to honor your father and mother. And when adult children, a lot of them in this church who have actually built additions onto their home and gone back into debt in their mortgage just to provide a way for their aging parents to live the rest of their lives in grace and around family. It's beautiful and it lifts up the fifth commandment. Or when that parent can't live on their own, their health prohibits that, and yet they visit them constantly and consistently in the nursing home. It lifts up the honor of the parents in the fifth commandment. But that's not what was happening in Mark 7 or Ephesians 6. So Jesus reapplies, Paul reapplies this command to restore and strengthen families. Now here's what we've learned. The fifth commandment connects the vertical to the horizontal. The fifth commandment was intended to strengthen families. But listen, friends, the fifth commandment was given to strengthen the community. 
I hope you're shocked at what I'm going to read to you, and this is a lot well today. Linda Gordon once wrote, the nuclear family must be destroyed, and people must find better ways of living together. Whatever its ultimate meaning, the breakup of families now is an objectively revolutionary process. This is not an isolated, crazy, lunatic woman. Roxanne Dunbar and Female Liberation teaches women, actually teaches women how to destroy their family. Annie Gottlieb, author of Do You Believe in Magic, wrote that in the 1960s, it was the generation that destroyed the American family. We might not have been able to tear down the state. That's the goal, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on the family. We truly believed that the family had to be torn apart to free love, and the first step to tear ourselves free was from our parents. What's so frightening, friends, is those ladies are right. If you want to bring down a nation, just tear apart the family. You want to bring down a church, then disrupt and destroy the family's inner. In fact, even the madman Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, the Russian dictator, knew this. He said, destroy the family and you destroy society. The foundation of a community is built on the families. And they've got to be protected in order for the community to be preserved. This is why the fifth commandment was given. It was to protect the family and preserve community. Honor your father and your mother, and by implication, every single authority that God has placed over you. It is, as Paul said, the first commandment to contain a promise that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. How many of you grew up watching Star Trek with me? All right, then I know, and some of you are not going to admit this because you're just not courageous enough, but I know you worked and worked until you could do this, right? You start out like, right? Come on. That's right. Everybody do this. Some of you are going to pitifully fail and I'm going to laugh and mock. I worked hard, hours to do this. And what would Spock do when he did this? What did he say? I mean, come on, don't you remember the gripping scene at the end of the third Star Trek? The guy's dying. He's in the radiation chamber and he slaps his hand in the Spock grip up on the the glass. And here comes Kirk on the other side and Spock's hand slides down. I'm about to cry. Do you know where that came from, Emily? You're going to love this. Leonard Nimoy created that in that show. He saw a priestly blessing and the priest held up his hands like this, which was a form of priestly blessing. But this right here forms the word, the letter Sheen. Not, not Charlie, by the way. There's a, there's a whole other gesture with that one. Forms the letter Sheen in the Hebrew alphabet. Three upturned strokes. And Sheen is Shaddai. And you may be familiar with El Shaddai, the name of God Almighty. This forms the Almighty God that blesses covenantally His people. And He has a blessing for this commandment. He says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In fact, Deuteronomy takes this command and adds a phrase to it. Let me read it. That your days may be long. Here's the addition and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So here's my question. Does honoring your father and your mother 
always mean a long life and dishonoring them in early death. Let me answer that hard question with a typical pastoral answer, yes and no. And let me show you in Scripture. It certainly was true that dishonoring his father earned Absalom an early death. He was the son of David, the man after God's own heart, who rebelled against his father and warred against him and tried to kill him and died hanging from a cursed tree by his long and luxurious, prideful hair. But on the other hand, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, the only one of Jeroboam's sons that the Bible said something was pleasing to the Lord in him, he died very, very young. So it's not always true that those who honor their father and mother live long, and it's not always true that dishonoring your father and mother means you die young. But what is true is this, that's a principle, just like train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from the way. It's not an absolute deterministic statement, it's a principle. And what is the principle here is that God will bless those who honor their father and son. Remember this, Israel was free for three months when the law was given to them. Don't you remember they were in Egypt? They were slaves for 400 years. They were in a land not their own. They were slaves in the house of slavery. And God covenanted covenanted with them to bring them into what? A land of promise. A land of abundance. But Israel had part of the covenant. They had to uphold the law. And God makes obedience to the fifth commandment necessary in order to enjoy living in the land. Here's how one expert puts it, Philip Ryken. He says the expression, live long in the land, is a Hebrew phrase for the fullness of God's blessings. In short, it means to have an abundant life. Honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say what age. Look at what God doesn't say in there. Little children, honor your father and mother. Children of every age, honor, put great weight Make it heavy that you lean towards their opinion and their love and their favor. Honor your father and your mother, and you will have an abundant life. Friends, have you ever seen anyone live a full, blessed, and abundant life who is full of rebellion toward their parents? Anybody? Have you ever seen anyone that's an adult living well in their land, but their hearts are full of unforgiveness and bitterness toward their parents? Have you ever seen anyone who had neglected to care for their aging, needy parents, but truly loving God deeply? Can't find that. It's not going to happen. Can any one of us have God above all command, number one, and worship Him right, number two, and lift His name up and enjoy our rest, commands three and four, while at the same time dishonoring and hating and reviling our father and our mother? You can't do it. No matter what your age, love, revere, and honor your parents and friends. It's the example that Jesus himself set as he fulfilled this commandment to literally the very end of his life. Don't you remember he's up on that cursed cross? 
And he's in agony. He's been nailed through the wrist on the right, through the wrist on the left, and his foot over the other, and a nail gone right through that foot, but an eight-inch spike. He still has the crown of thorns on his head, most likely. His back is flayed open, and it's rubbing up and down that cross because the only way he can exhale is to lift up on his feet. You cannot exhale from a strained position on the cross. And he takes one mighty breath, and while he lets it out and pushes up on the cross, he forms the words as he's looking at the mother that gave him birth, and he said, woman, which was a kind and affectionate term, not like today, Woman, here is your son. And he points, or he looks at John, his apostle, his disciple. And then he looks at his son, or at John, and says, This is your mother. You see, even to the very end of his life, Jesus was looking beyond his death and saying, Who's going to take care of my mother? It's my job. I'm the oldest. I'm going to care for her, and I'm going to make the arrangements now on the cross. Here's what the Bible says. From that hour, the disciple John took her to his own home. What have we learned? The fifth commandment connects the vertical to the horizontal. The fifth commandment seeks to strengthen the family. The fifth commandment strengthens community because community is only as strong as the family. But let me give you one more. This commandment is taught, and friends, listen, and taught parents look at me for a second if you would it begins with us regardless of the ages of your children it begins with us honoring and fearing god in our own lives and we've got to ask the question literally do our children see us worshiping and obeying and loving god are we showing our children how to talk about and how to care for and how to honor our aging, dependent parents. Friends, there are some in this church that have been unbelievably powerful in my life as I have watched them care for their aging parents. It has been beautiful to see them living out the fifth commandment in some ways stripping their lives of financial freedom and in some ways stripping their schedules of the freedom to do what they want to do and even to be able to do what they need to do. They've sacrificed over and over and over for their parents and they are lifting up the fifth commandment and bringing honor to their father and mother. Fathers, let me speak to you for a minute. Do we, you and I, do we show our kids what it means to honor others, especially those in authority. How about referees and umpires? How about teachers and police officers and government officials? Do we honor our wives in the way that we speak and act toward them? Do our children see the way that we lift up and honor our their own mothers? Do they see that? Because listen, children will speak to their mothers the way their fathers do. One pastor one time got so angry at his wife that he kicked her in the leg. And right after he had done that, his four-year-old walked up and kicked his mother right in the same leg. And he learned from that moment on, the fifth commandment is true. If he does not honor, his children will learn. He's never done it again. 
Mothers, let me speak to you for a second. Do you show weighty, heavy importance to your husbands? Do you lift them up and honor them even when they're not around? You're so influential to your children. The fathers are the heads of the homes, but ladies, listen, you're the neck that turns the head. You have unbelievable power in your home. You create the atmosphere in which children grow. And do they see in you, moms, glad submission? The same glad submission that we all should have to Christ. Even if you're no longer married to your husband, do they see you honor that man? And if you can't say anything kind about him because there may be nothing kind to say, do you close your mouth and refuse to sin? Kids and teens, let me speak to you for a minute. Listen, are you hearing what God is saying to you through the fifth commandment? Are you hearing the blessing that God has for you in the fifth commandment? We have a person, we have a family in our church last night came up to me after church. And one of the sons has not spoken to his father literally in over two years, will not speak to him. I asked him, I said, did God speak to you during that sermon? All he could do was shake his head yes. He couldn't even speak. What's God saying to you through the fifth commandment? Is he teaching you what it means to honor and obey and view authority? And and Is he helping you understand, kids, that your classroom where you're learning this is your family and your instructors or your parents and all those unfair curfews, all those dating rules, And all those times, girls, that you've been sent back to your room to change the outfit, those are your exams. They're your times of testing. Are you passing them or are you failing them? There's a blessing in store when you honor your fathers and mothers, whatever ages you are. Abundant life from the hand of God. Let me close with this, and this doesn't mean you close your minds yet. Would you listen just for another minute? Many people in this church, I know their stories, have had terrible, even abusive parenting. Can I remind you with full compassion, with full sensitivity, that the Israelites were fathered in the land of Egypt for 400 years by harsh slave masters who abused them. And here's what God did. God rescued them by His grace and broke those chains and freed them and then taught them how to live in grace. If you are living today in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment toward your earthly father or your mother friend, listen, you are bound up to repeat it. That is a chain and a shackle and a dungeon that you have already allowed yourself to be locked within its bondage. And there has to be a place and there has to be a time where God's grace can pull your heart out of the anger and out of the hurt, out of the dark dungeon and set you free and teach you how to live and give you the power in Christ to forgive the ones who have hurt you terribly. Psalm 27 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. He will be your father. 
God's grace can rescue you from repeating the pain of your parents with your own family. I'm going to give you a challenge, and it's the same challenge that Paul gives in Romans 12. Here it is. Families, our family is going home today. We've already talked through this. We're going to sit around the dinner table. We're going to talk about this sermon. We're going to look back as of last week's sermon and see the hand of God that's been in our lives. We're going to talk about where we're struggling, and we're going to try to make it fun. We want to be a family, but we're going to try to take this challenge, the same one I'm giving to you. Paul says, outdo one another in showing honor. Fathers, can you outdo your wives? Husbands, can you outdo your wives this week in showing honor? Wives, can you try to outdo your husbands and kids? Can you outdo your parents? And parents will see you outdo your kids. What an incredible family we would have making such an incredible community of God if our families actually tried to outdo one another and showing weighty importance to the other. The result will be the promise of abundant life in your family, meaning joy and satisfaction to the full, if by faith you believe it. And I do. Lord, thank you for this commandment. God, thank you for your word. Lord, it is so powerful. It is so relative to our lives. It speaks right to the very heart of all of us. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning that are coming from terrible, painful parenting situations. God, I pray for grace for them and mercy. Lord, that you would unlock chains of bitterness and anger. Lord, that you would replace that with forgiveness and grace. Lord, for kids to see their parents as God-given authorities in their lives, to teach them how to honor even you. Lord, that we would not exasperate our children as fathers. That as mothers, we would lift up the honor of, of husbands with glad submission. Lord, that you would create a family where we actually try to outdo one another in showing honor. God, may that be true of us. Give us, Lord, what you promised, abundant blessings and life. And in your name we pray, amen.